you are listening to The Janine Garner Show. Janine is a leading expert on leadership and driving influence through networking and collaboration, passionate about bringing brilliant people together to achieve remarkable results. Join Janine Garner as she shares insights, interviews and conversations, and let's together make the remarkable happen. Welcome to the latest episode of Unleashing Brilliance. I am your host, Janine Garner, and it is an absolute pleasure to welcome you today. Unleashing Brilliance was designed to share the stories behind the amazing success stories that are out there amongst entrepreneurs, game changers, thought leaders, opinion makers around the world. You know, the stories that we don't often hear, uh, the golden thread that connects the work that people do and the impact that they are having on the planet. It's an absolute pleasure to have you here. Um, And I'm so excited to welcome my latest guest, Nicola Maras. Nicola is a self-confessed badass. She's passionate about helping business owners generate results using social media and digital marketing without the bullshit. This means actually getting a financial return on investment in the form of revenue. And over the years, she's helped thousands of people around the world with their social media and digital marketing strategies to create visibility, impact, and profits. She wholeheartedly believes that you are your best and most important asset and that you should become omnipresent on social media. And through your digital marketing efforts, she believes that you will get results and she believes in the power of you. She's the author of five books, most recently Into the Spotlight and Visible, and each of them shows you how to cut through the noise online, stand out from the crowd and become the rock star of your business also that your business can thrive. I absolutely love this conversation. You know, some of the critical things we talked about were quitting imposter syndrome, stop looking like everyone else, the importance of cutting through the noise, and the real importance of being seen as an expert amongst your audience versus your peers. Her overarching message is one of stop selling yourself short. So if you're interested in learning how to become a rock star in your industry in terms of standing and stepping into that spotlight, then make sure you grab a cup of coffee, whatever your drink of choice is, or even if you're on that treadmill or taking a walk around the park and enjoy this latest episode of Unleashing Brilliance. Nicola Maras, it is such a joy to welcome you finally to our podcast. Oh my gosh, we kept having to move more down to me than you, Uh, but it's a pleasure to actually uh, finally get you on the show. How are you today? I am absolutely amazing. Thank you for asking. I'm so excited to talk to you. Uh, it's going to be hard to keep us in the time zone, I think, because we we'll just keep chatting and chatting and chatting. <laughs> so let's jump straight into it. Um, some quick questions just so our listeners can find out a little bit about you. Um, where are you from? Oh, where am I from now? Yeah. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Originally. <laughs> well, currently I am living in the absolute middle of nowhere in a tiny little, well, my version of tiny little country town in country Victoria called Mildura. Originally hailed from the big, bold city of Adelaide in Australia, which is just really an oversized country town. But that's, this is where I am in the middle of nowhere. In the middle of nowhere and yet changing the world, which I love. What was your first job? Can you remember? Oh, great question. Yes, I do. I actually, I, I was employed by a company called Sports Power, which is a, there was a locally owned franchise, which I 
understand now. I didn't when I was 16. But even before that, I, I convinced my parents to help me make money and I was an Avon lady at the ripe old age of maybe about 13. Amazing. So I, I would drag my mum uh, make her get in the car and drag me around. We lived in in the middle of nowhere in South Australia. There's a bit of a theme there. And I would make them wait in the car. I'd run to the houses, drop the books off and then go back again and go and pick up the books and make sure that everybody had all of the Avon that they, that they could possibly want. And that was at about the age of 13. Look at you, entrepreneur from the very beginning. <laughs> um, is there a particular book or TED Talk or podcast that uh, that really changed you, that you remember and uh, that stays with you for its impact it had on you? Uh, there's, a, there's a couple actually. There's one TED Talk and there's a book. <laughs> and the, the, first, the first thing, so the TED Talk that I, that I still reference all the time actually that had a massive impact was Elizabeth Gilbert, Elizabeth Gilbert's podcast, and I can't remember the title of it, but it's where she talked about the genius in the wall and how we have this, you know, we're, we're all kind of gifted with different ways of being creative and how she describes the the way that ideas come to you and sometimes it's like this genius that lives in the wall and you kind of got to grab its tail and and grapple with it to to get the ideas out and then other times it's how they float through the breeze through a field and kind of ripples through you and you've got to run to your book to capture the essence of what it was and if you don't get it quickly enough it goes whisking its way onto the next person to grace it with their to grace it with their presence uh that had a massive impact on me with I guess like almost taking a bit of the pressure off to always feel like the ideas had they were it was all me that like I had to do it all on my own and that this idea that actually you know I, I would use the word intuition these days or you know getting getting a download or whatever but it's it's like having the ability to say to the air or the universe, hey, you know, come on, do your part. I'm, I'm ready for this next thing. Had a um, that that is not all. It doesn't all have to be me. So it, t- it helps to share the load, I guess. So that was a really important one. And the other that the book that I read that you'll you'll laugh at this uh, is a book called Relentless by Tim Grover, and he talks about human behavior and about how we're wired and about how the likes of Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant got to be the top of their game. He was the, um, their personal coach for a really long time. And just understanding the, the different dynamics of human behavior and how some people in a team operate differently and how we need everybody in there. So the human behavior element of that really helped me to kind of be accept how I am and who I am and the way that I behave and it was like oh well it's not just me who who feels like this so both of those had a had have had a really profound impact on on me my self acceptance and and therefore you know the impact on some of my behavior as well <laughs> so what do you do now what does what does Nicola do now change the world <laughs> 
the, the, the official title is I coach and mentor people who really want to get out there, be seen as being the rock star of their industry and, and change the world that they're in and help them help more people. That's fabulous. So let's just, before we get into some of the work that you do now, let's, let's take a step back because uh, I'm always curious about trying to find the golden thread, the connection that has got you to here. Um, if, you, if you think back to maybe, you know, that being that kid in, in Adelaide, can you remember what you wanted to be when you grew up? I danced. Yes, I can. And I danced between sort of two, uh, two, two dreams, if you like. One, I, I was saying to my husband yesterday, Dom, actually, that one of my big things that I used to say was that I, I want to be a mum with one kid and one on the way by the time I was 25. So that was one side of me, very, very family orientated, very, very much wanted to be a mother. And then the other side of me, <laughs> I, I was absolutely wanted to perform in one way, shape or form. So I was always, I'd imagine me directing the crops that would that, that were growing over our back fence. Uh, I would sing to them. I'd pretend I was a TV star and then I was the, the key performer, naturally, of, of all of the things. Like I just, I really wanted to uh, entertain and although I didn't have the vocabulary at this time, it was like really inspire people to to have fun, to be themselves, to perform, to to laugh, to uh, just in, embrace their goodness. So that was both of those. Isn't it interesting? And it's so connected to what you do now. And if you think back to um, to your childhood and and the community that you grew up in, how how do you think? that shaped you into the business owner that you are now and the person you are now and the mother you are now? Oh, that's a, that's a really great question. Um, I love that I didn't have these questions beforehand because <laughs> it makes me think. <laughs> I, I guess in terms of the, the mother that I am, my, I really, I really loved the way that my parents raised me most of the time, not all the time, but most of the time, and the way that my, the relationship that particularly my mum and I had while I was a child and then the relationship my, my dad and I have, not only when I'm growing up, but after after I moved out. Um, the the way that there are some things, obviously, you know, that will say, oh, I wouldn't do that because, you know, my mother and my father did this and X, Y, Z. But for the most part, the way that they were very, they were very open, they were always communicating. And, and interestingly, they were both always entrepreneurial. So they were going to coaching seminars when I was 14, 15 years old. I had no idea what coaching seminars were. I had no idea why they were going off and doing these things. Um, so they, there was like this kind of the, the way that they would parent, but then they were also very, mum and dad were very particular about the way that they modelled to to my brother and I, um, you know, being responsible for your behaviour and, and things like that. So when I think about my home life and the life that we live now, it's really funny. It's almost like a... Uh, like an extension of 
how I grew up, which mm. I think is a, a real testament to my parents. They're, they're amazing. Um, the community around, I think, it's really interesting because at school it was very much you've got to go to uni, you've got to go to uni, you've got to go to uni. What are you going to do when you go to uni? What are you going to do? What are you going to do after uni? And I was like, well, screw that. I want to go to university. Um, I, I didn't know what I didn't know what profession I wanted to step into after school. I knew I didn't want to go down the the track of um, NIDA or, or anything like that. I was in drama at school. That'll surprise you. Um, but I didn't like having to learn lines. I didn't like having to follow structure and cues and there was all of this pressure and I didn't like that. I just I, and I didn't see any way that this childhood dream of of performing and and entertaining and and doing that kind of thing, I couldn't see how I could make money or be in a profession where you could do that without having to go and study and, and be very um, streamlined. So I didn't. So it was really interesting because I, I kind of bucked the system where I think 99% of the kids in my school went to university and I said, no, I'm going to go and work in my, my parents' shop that, they, that they'd started up and that was really, I guess, it was kind of like pushing back against what the, the, the norm was and I, the, my teachers didn't like that very much. So what was the watershed moment that actually got you into doing the work that you do now? So I'd been, I, at the ripe old age of 19, I got a job for, at, at Westpac and I, <laughs> the reason I applied for a job at the bank was I, I mentioned my parents' stores and I would go and do the banking for them. And I remember walking into the banking branch, it was a Commonwealth Bank branch, and the business banking people would sit there, my version of seeing what they would do, they would sit there, count money and chat to people all day. I was like, this is the perfect job. (laughs) Who doesn't want to sit and count money and chat to people all day? I thought it would be amazing. So I went and worked for Westpac and I started as a teller and, and made my way up the chain. And when we moved to Mildura, got a transfer up here. But one of the things that I I had to do in my in the role that I was in as a home finance manager at that time was I had to go and find my own leads. So I had to find my own clients. If if we didn't have the referrals coming in from from the the tellers or if people weren't calling in, we we were tasked with finding our own leads. Now in Mildura like many other country towns, there is a, there's a bank which is next door to a bank, which is next door to a bank, which is next door to a bank, which is across the road from a bank, which is next door to a bank, which is around the corner from the broker, which is next door to the credit union, which is next door to another bank, and then across the way is another bank. So, and the thing with banks, as we all know, is that if you if you go to one branch and you say, hey, what's the best deal that you can give me? You take that piece of paper and you walk into the next bank and they'll match it. And then, you know, it's it's like this is this is insane. So I learned very quickly through feedback uh, and through doing my job that the really the only way for me to win the business was to just be exceptional at, at what I did, go above and beyond, but not only that, be to be 
me because when I started to learn more about how to be myself in in the office and in, 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 in the interviews, it didn't just come down to a product and a pricing match. It was more, you know, this, this is, I've, I've got your back and I would, you know, basically treat those clients like, it, like they were my own, like it was my own business. And so one of the ways that I started to generate more leads was I was putting on home loan seminars. I was putting on first home buyer seminars. I was creating, I was getting local businesses involved. I was having people come in and do, you know, guest speaking for me and, and things like that. And the more I started to see that working, the more I wanted to do. But the the powers that be kept. I'd, I'd ask to do something more and they'd kept knocking me back or I would ask to do a, a particular campaign and there was no way that they could, they said, no, we're, we're, you're pushing the envelope too far, you know, things like that, which was put, just putting on these information nights. It wasn't anything ridiculous. And so every idea that I kept putting to my manager and and higher up kept getting just kept getting knocked back and then the goalposts kept changing so as with everything you know corporate businesses and in any businesses if you if you're doing well they shift the goalposts so that you can do well and but then do more <laughs> for for the same for the same remuneration or for the same you know for the same um gatekeepers almost the the gate openers for bonuses and and whatever else we had a management change and me trying to do more, he was like, no. And it just got to this point where it became untenable. At at the same time, a friend of mine had been made redundant from the bank, had moved back to Melbourne and went into a life coaching course. And so I'd gone and spent a weekend with her in Melbourne and the transformation within her was it was like somebody had turned a light on it. You know those people where you see them one like one time and then it feels like five minutes later and they like it's like a light had been turned on from inside. They just glow differently. Yeah. This this is what happened. I stepped off the plane and this woman's glowing. I'm like, what the heck has happened? This is amazing. And she was telling me about this course that she'd been on. And I was like, I need to know more about this stuff. So it was kind of like a divine right timing thing for me. I went and trained to be a style and branding coach, came home from that, started juggling work and the business. And I asked for a career break. They declined it after 12 years of service. And so I was in a position where it was either keep playing the game, keep playing the corporate game or bite the bullet and, and resign. And so the day that my career break was declined, I came home, wrote my red, my letter of resignation and I resigned the next day. That was February 2011. So, and since then you've, you've done the styling, you then moved into probably one of the early adopters really in the online digital marketing space mm-hmm. uh, you've continued to coach and help businesses and now written two books mm-hmm. um, which uh, the first one was called visible the second one that is the new one into the spotlight which interestingly the golden thread there goes back to that little girl that was 
directing her own movies, pop shows, mm-hmm. dance choreographer. What you haven't shared is the fact that you're still living and breathing that because you still do crazy roller derby and have an <laughs> insane uh, split personality on there. So so why, why is it so important to you, Nicola, that um, people do step into their spotlight, that they do become more visible? What do you think... What, why why this book and why you to write this book? Look, I, I to me, I, very similar, uh, I guess, beliefs to you. Like we all have our own brilliance. We all have our own sign of genius. We'll all ha- we all have our, I call it your zone of awesomeness. We've all got this thing within us that cannot be replicated it cannot be cloned. It cannot be copied. It cannot be mimicked. I mean, well, you know, people can try, but it doesn't work. And the thing with business, so Into the Spotlight and Visible were both written for, for entrepreneurs and, and business owners who know that they they need to get themselves out there. But the problem is in the world of marketing, in the world of online, Everyone is doing the exact same thing as everybody else and it is damn boring and you can't stand out and and fit in at the same time. The, the challenge there is that, and this is really what Into the Spotlight taps into, it, you've really got to leverage you. You've got to leverage your personality. You've got to leverage your golden thread that, that you mentioned, you know, that, that ripples through your, your whole history and use that as, as the platform to pivot off from a positioning perspective, from a marketing perspective, from doing what you do out there because the it, everyone is trying to do the same thing. Everyone's trying to reach the same people. And if you try and do things in the same way as everybody else, you're just going to get lost in the noise. And then your brilliance, your zone of awesome, your your amazingness that is within you just kind of gets sucked into the noise. And I think that's sacrilege. I think it's devastating. It's like, you know, there's people that say, I don't want to die with my song stuck inside of me. If, if you don't step into the spotlight and if you don't find a way to cut through the noise and be and be seen as being different, as being you and really just freaking owning it, then, you know, the, the world's a, we're, we're much worse off for it because we don't get to see you. So what stops people from your experience and the, the work that you do, the clients that you've worked with, What what is getting in the way? What is stopping people that we all need to take ownership of and push past? It's imposter syndrome is huge, and and that kind of ties into the oh well you know this person's been doing this for ten years this person's been doing this in corporate this person's been doing this this person's written two books this person's written fifty books this person's done this who am I who am I to do this you know what makes me so different this is all the self talk and the stuff that goes through their people through through people's heads it's like am I really that different. And, you know, that, and then you've got the tech stuff, which is a whole other can of worms. But, you know, if we can resolve the, the imposter syndrome and come back to, well, actually, you are pretty damn freaking amazing and the world deserves to see you. We need to be part of your world. We want to witness you. We want to see you show up. Then, then that changes everything. The other thing that that people get really caught up in 
which kind of ties in with this imposter syndrome, is that they're trying to measure themselves against their peers. So if you're a coach and the person next to you is a coach, then, you know, it's like, well, they try and get, they, they get caught up in trying to be seen as an expert, that they're more of an expert than them or they think they're less of an expert than them. But the thing that people forget is that we don't need to be seen as an expert in the eyes of our peers. Our peers are never going to buy from us. You know, I, I think you're amazing and, you know, you, you all you need to do is be seen as an expert in the eyes of your audience, of like your, your hot, cold clients, the people who are going to buy from you, the people who are going to learn from you, they're the ones that you need to be seen as an expert in, not by your peers. And I think once people resolve that, and it's not about trying to be better than, than, than the person next to me who's also in my industry and going, well, actually, I just need to show up for my audience. I just need to show up for them. I just need to be seen as an expert at helping solve their problems. Then it takes a lot of that pressure off. I love both of those, both of those things. So, mm. so you know, people listening to this, I am sure are going, yes, 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 I do. I need to get rid of my imposter syndrome. Yes, yes, yes. She's spot on. Um, for you, can you think about when the imposter syndrome for yourself was getting in the way and what you did to overcome it. Have you got a specific example for yourself where Mm. this played out? Absolutely. The year was 2015 and 2015. And I, so I'd been in business for a good five years by the time this, this had come around and I had enrolled in a mastermind with a gentleman who I was working with in the States. And, you know, it's it's been a big dream of mine for a really long time to have global positioning, to, you know, work work with everyone everywhere type thing. So I was like, right, I'm going to go, I'm going to go to the States and it's going to be amazing and, and all this, that and the other. And that was all well and good while I was, while we were doing group calls and, and, and uh, coaching calls and things like that over, over the internet. But then we had this, there was the first mastermind event held in Vegas in January 2015 and I remember walking into that room and I was just this, the way that I saw myself was I was this little country bumpkin in the middle of nowhere in a tiny little country town in Australia called Mildura and I, I was really well known in Australia for being the Facebook ads person. So had had done millions of dollars, you know, done really, really well, heaps, heaps of followers, all the rest of it. And I felt like a, a, a little tiny, tiny, tiny little fish going into this very, very big pond. So 60, 70 business owners in the room, you know, we're, we're talking like the likes of Russell Brunson was in this mastermind at the time of the founder of ClickFunnels. Um, there were some really big names in who are, who are still around in the industry now who were in the room. And I was probably making around the same money as they were, so around a million a year. And I really wanted to, there were some people who were making more and I really wanted the stretch and the pull. <laughs> but I've walked into this room feeling like this little country hit girl, um, feeling like I should have had a straw hat and, you know, like the the really um, iconic kind of country person, straw hat with the, you know, the um, the piece of wheat <laughs> kind of like poking out of it. And I, I felt like 
I didn't belong. I didn't know anyone in the room uh, apart from one other Australian lady who I kind of clung to. It was really embarrassing now looking back. He's now a really great friend of mine. But almost like clung onto her and I remember not because I wasn't confident in myself I thought everybody else was way more polished than I was way more accomplished than I was a lot more confident than what I was and I just I for for the pretty much those three days I just wanted to fall through a hole in the floor in fact, there's a really embarrassing moment where I I walked up to a couple of people who were talking, and I've just gone because I, I I'd gone and hidden in the in the toilet for a little while, and I'm like, okay, I can do this, I can do this, I can do this. So I've walked up to these people and I've said, "Hi, my name's Nicola," <laughs> and I stopped talking. These people were in mid conversation, and they both just kind of like looked at me, and I've got, oh, I'll just be back in a minute. And oh, I turned around and walked. <laughs> I went and hid in the toilet for 10 minutes. I felt like a completely <laughs> asshole. Like I can't, like Janine, I wanted to die. It was awful. I would, and I go bright red at the drop of a hat anyway. So I was like, my face was roast. It was just, I just, I wanted to die. It was the worst thing ever. And then I, I found them later and I apologised. <laughs> I'm being so random. But it was a really interesting kind of lesson that first day in just how much my self-talk, my anxiety, this social awkwardness, this imposter syndrome was, was off the charts. What I did the next day, I actually said to my friend Victoria, I said, can you please just introduce me to some people and, and then I'm good. I just don't let me anyone else and talk at them because I can't do that again I will not come out of my hotel room we'll be done how do you manage it now do you still have these uh, someone, someone asked me this the other day and I said of course I yeah. still have these feelings of self-doubt um mm. I'm curious Nicola how how do you manage that so it doesn't get in the way <clears throat> I <laughs> really good question I, I still, if, if they're not my, if it's not my audience, like if it's not my room, if it's my room, it's a different, different ball game. But walking into a networking event, even, you know, previous things that you've run, like LBD events and stuff like that in the past, I've really had to prep myself. And it's not so much the imposter syndrome stuff, but although that, that sometimes does creep in, but it's more, I feel like, I, I I suffer from this like really weird social anxiety thing sometimes. And so I just have a, pre- a list of questions prepped in my head to make sure that I'm continuously being curious about the other person and, I, and, and just really working on that, reminding myself that, you know what, I'm, I'm me. If people don't like me, that's fine. I don't have to be liked by everybody apparently, um, although I would like it very much. And, and so that's the kind of way that I, that I manage it. It's like it's not, it's not my business what anyone else thinks of me and I've really owned that a lot more these days. And I just, just the, one of the mantras is just, just be curious about everybody else. Just be curious about everybody else. Just be curious about everybody else. Cause then it's not about me. It's all about them. Mm. 
Yeah, it's the same, same, exactly the same for me and uh, the people I speak to. It's just, just attention out, attention out, attention out, yeah. think about them, think about them, which which is interesting, right? The the latest book, Into the Spotlight, you talk about becoming a rock star in, mm. in your industry and stepping into your online visibility. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so people that are wanting this, I, by the way, I love – the analogy that runs through this book. So for anyone listening here that has an obsession with music, there's a a wonderful analogy running through the entire book about becoming a rock star. Um, I do like to picture myself as pink in another life. But um, (laughs) so so people that may be feeling exactly those two things, the imposter syndrome, the fear of showing up, what are you, if, if you could give three takeouts, just three takeouts from this mm-hmm. book to help people that are listening, that want to step into their spotlight, that want to uh, play a bigger a game, that, that know that there's more for them to offer, whether it be online or offline, mm-hmm. um, what would those tips be? Before I go into the tips, the first thing is don't go straight to Facebook marketing, social media posts. I've got to do more stuff with that. Don't do that is the first thing. (laughs) The first thing that you've got to do in in my view is to really remind yourself of how much of a badass you are. So really work on your mindset, work on your confidence, come back to going, okay, this is what I know. This is what my experience is, not just in what it is that you're doing now, but, you know, like we're saying, like the golden thread, what everything that you are right now, and, and who you are right now is a culmination of everything that you have been through, that you've worked through, that you've learned throughout your whole entire life. So one of the things that you can do from, from your mindset perspective is to actually go back and document that too, and, and that can create confidence. The second thing before you start going out and being rock starry and doing all of those things is to know who your hot cold clients are, so your, your, your niche, your ideal perfect client, your avatar, whatever, language, your niche, your niche, whatever works for you, know them better than they know themselves. Because when you know that, then you're going to be able to connect with them in an emotional way that nobody else is going to be able to do. So it's like this beautiful blend of you that you work on first and then them. And from there, you, you really want to go into your positioning and, and working out exactly what it is that you're going to bring to the table in terms of your, your intellectual property, but, but also with how you're going to show up so that you are stepping into that, that rock star energy, even if you're not, and whether you're, you're introverted or, or extroverted, this doesn't matter. It's really about going, all right, this is who I am unapologetically. This is how I'm going to show up. And then you go out and you own the platforms and, and all of that sort of stuff. And how do you keep, one of the things that you, you, you're you everywhere, you're constantly online and you are consistently uh, delivering content online, not just scheduled stuff, it's live stuff. How do you... Um, how do you always ensure you've got something to say? I love the, there's another analogy that I've heard you speak about before. I've seen you train around this disco ball concept. Uh-huh. Can you share a little bit about that? I just did a live on that today. How funny. So, yeah, I did. So if you, if everybody just imagines a moment for you, you, you look at a disco ball 
and it's covered in these beautiful little mirrors. And as it kind of turns, there'll be glimmers and, and things that catch your eye, facets that catch your eye, and cre- they can create a bit of a pattern interrupt with whatever it is that you're doing. Humans are multifaceted. And the thing with, with content and the, the, the thing that comes to with, with showing up and, and being seen is we want to create a pattern interrupt in a news feed or in a room or in a meeting and, because it makes people listen. You've got something really important to say. You need people to listen. You, you need to find a way to cut through. And, and one of the things that, you, that we like to think about is with this disco ball, and some things that will resonate, like one facet that might resonate with one person won't resonate with another. So what I think about with this is like going, okay, well, I'm I'm a mum. I've got three children. I'm married. I live in the middle of nowhere. Some people will listen to me because of that. Some people will know that Janine lives in Sydney. She's been a she's been in corporate. She's now in her own business. You know, you've got all of this experience. Some people will resonate with that. Some people will resonate with the fact that you've got a ragdoll. Some people will resonate with the fact that you love champagne and boating on Sydney Harbour and, you know, stuff like that or flying, you know, flying around the world or working by the pool or whatever it happens to be. We don't know what is going to create that pattern interrupt for your audience. And it's going to be different for lots of different people. So we need to put out different types of content that talk into different points and and address different problems, different self-talk, different goals, dreams, desires, things like that, different dreams, because that one thing that you put out today might be the exact thing that that person needed to hear and see from you that made them stop and listen and pay attention. Hmm. Other people might just gloss past it and that's fine, it doesn't matter. But we've got to remember that people... Humans are multifaceted. Like it's not just the fact that you're a business owner and a mom. Like you've got a billion other things about you and, and, and the same with everybody listening. So it's about remembering that we're not just a, a one-dimensional person. People want to get to know us. And the best way, if we think about our most beautiful friends that we've got and, and, and the connections, these, these important connections and and people like that in, in our worlds, they don't just love us because we're really excellent at coaching or really excellent at authoring or really excellent at speaking. They love us because of who we are, not because of what we do. So the, the best thing that we can remember from a disco ball perspective is that, yeah, people might listen because of the, the business stuff as well, but they'll also listen and stay with you and watch you and learn from you and continue to get to know you like you trust you because of who you are as a human, not just as a as a business person or a career person. But that can also be scary as well, can't mm. it? In that yeah. you're what you're saying or what I'm hearing is the more real, the more authentic, the more uh, you can show people into multiple facets of your world, not just mm-hmm. the picture perfect Instagrammable version of yourself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The bigger the impact and the reach. Um, but the scary part, I'm imagining, that I'm asking myself, and I'm sure some of our listeners are, are, oh my god! But what if it all turns horrible? What if what if people, you know, the haters start hating? What's what's your comment on that? 
so what? What if they do? <laughs> I, I can say that now because I've gone through the, oh, my God, I'm quitting. <laughs> I, know, those moments. <laughs> I, know, I know that you've experienced that. Yeah. And without going into the detail, I, I know that you experienced the, the haters and we've got yeah. many mutual friends that have the same. Yeah. What, what advice do you give? Because um, it's easy to say ignore them, but, but having been there, what, what would you say to people? Yeah. Uh, look, one of the things, it, it's a bit of a, uh, just because it can happen doesn't mean it will. Right. Mm. And, and I mean, there's a, there's a bit of, it's a bit of a, a, a bullshit thing that gets said in this industry where you, you haven't made it until you've got a hater, which I think is crap because it, it's not necessarily even going to happen. You know, there's this, it, it's talked about as if it will definitely happen and it's almost like a rite of passage, but it may not. So that's the first thing. If it does happen, then what we want to do, and I love that you that, that you talk about like it's who you know and we've got our 12 key people around us, there is absolutely nothing wrong with if, if something happens on, online, on the internet, and you've got a hater, you need to go to your people, your tribe of people and say, hey, this has just happened. Can you guys come over and back me up? I call it activating the tribe effect where you like address it. If somebody's talking smack about you, address it. If somebody, um, you know, particularly if it's happening online and it's visible to other people, the way that you address it publicly shows other people who are watching. They might not be commenting, but they'll be watching how you handle it. And my rule of thumb is this. If, if, the, if somebody's turned around and said something, then you respond. But maybe not instantly when you're angry and upset or hurt or whatever, inflamed, give it a minute and then address it with a response but be very diplomatic. And if they come back, then you've got a choice then to either block and delete them. You don't have to respond if you don't want to. But I do think that it gives, it's a it's a really great opportunity for other people to see how you handle it. So I had a guy uh, a little while ago, um, maybe late last year, <laughs> laugh at laugh at me, say, "Oh, look, you're just another blonde bimbo with oversized glasses and black roots. Go and dye your hair, you bimbo, or something." <laughs> I just I wrote back, which doesn't sound very hatery, but I just I wrote back and I was going like, "Ha ha 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 ha." Okay, good one. <laughs> Is that the best you could come up with? Come on, seriously, <laughs> you're going to throw shade, and that's it. You know, so you can respond with humor. You can. Like, and other people were like, oh, my God, I can't believe you said that to her. Are you okay? I'm like, oh, yeah, you know, it's, it's fine. Um, you know, and then you can have other people who come in and be a little bit more nasty and, and you've got choices. You can block and delete. You are not obligated to reply. But if you feel like you want to reply, then, then do it in a way that's diplomatic. But get your friends, your mates, your 12 people, get them coming in and, and, make, and having them back you because we all love you. And we think you're amazing. So let let us defend you so that you don't necessarily have to. Such awesome advice. Such awesome advice. So so people, I'm just gonna read out some of these uh these chapter headings. Um the time is now. It's time to make an impact. Unconform. Time to get out of the shower. Hot, cold clients, which you've mentioned a couple of times. Mm-hmm. Uh, be the rock star. Where rock stars hang out. Expanding your influence. Lights, camera, action. Which is your favourite chapter and why? Oh, God. What's my favourite chapter? 
Um, I, I, oh, I, lo- it's like trying to choose my favorite child. <laughs> I, I really enjoyed writing the, I really enjoyed writing the first part. Actually, I found that quite, quite fun to do. I liked writing about my, my grandfather and my family's legacy of entrepreneurialism and, and how that's flown through. Um, and I really, oh gosh, I, I love it all. I can't, I, I can't answer that. <laughs> I love that. I, love <laughs> I, I, can I tell you, I refuse to answer. You refuse to answer. You are allowed to answer. So my final question, this, this podcast is all about unleashing brilliance Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there is so much to, to your own personal story. And I know there's a lot of that stuff in the book and your message to the world is really about unleashing brilliance and stepping into that spotlight. Um, the parting words of wisdom for yourself as to, as to what it means for you, uh, to unleash your brilliance and to make that impact that you want to make. Why is it so important to you? Because I, I think Everyone has so much potential and collectively I I think a a lot of us just sell ourselves short and everything that you want, everything that you want to achieve, every life that you want to impact, every human that you want to help, they're, they're all out there just waiting for you and and it just it, it kills me to see people who are so freaking awesome and amazing at what they do and and the way that they do it and you know fear gets in the way and, and we've talked about like imposter syndrome and, and all that sort of stuff gets in the way and if we can just get past that then like the, the whole wide world opens up. And yeah, there's all the, you know, there's all the things that come along with that for you personally. But to me, it's like, it is so important for you to do the work that you're here to do and for you to change the lives and help the people that, that you really want to be able to help. And I just, you know, if, if I can help one more person do that, then I'm a freaking happy woman. Nicola Morass, thank goodness for everything that you are doing for the people that you help, the businesses that you support. How can people find you? I'm on the internet <laughs> everywhere. <laughs> if you, if you I, I'm on, I'm on all of the platforms. Um, my website. So it's just if you search my name, Nicola Morass, and yeah, you'll you'll find me. It's been an absolute pleasure chatting to you today. Thank you for bringing your your energy, your passion, your commitment to your work to this podcast. It's been a joy to have this conversation and chat. Thank you, Janine. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. My pleasure. My pleasure. (laughs) We hope you enjoyed listening to The Janine Garner Show. To follow her blog, purchase her books, or find out more, visit her website, janinegarner.com.au. Brilliant people, extraordinary results.